Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, pressure mounts on the government over the pace and details of Canada's vaccination plan. We have the United States has released the Pfizer and Moderna contracts. The EU uh, asked AstraZeneca if they could release it and AstraZeneca agreed. Brazil has released an AstraZeneca contract and uh, we haven't released a single word and single contract. Will the decision to tap into the COVAX vaccine program have a lasting effect on this government's reputation. When wealthier countries invest in COVAX, half of that funding is for doses at home, and the other half is to buy doses for low- and middle-income countries. In other words, our contribution was always intended to access vaccine doses for Canadians, as well as to support lower-income countries. And the political impact of the allegations against General Jonathan Vance. If it becomes the case that the cabinet knew and so did the prime minister knew that Jonathan Vance continued to serve uh, in the highest ranks of, of the Canadian forces, including as the chief of defence staff, it, it's hard to see how there wouldn't be consequences for that. It's Monday, February the 8th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for being with us today. Hi again, Mark. Good to talk to you. It's another week that begins with a lot of discussion about vaccines. And I know on some level that would be inevitable given where we are in this pandemic. We're almost a year into it. It's 11 months now. And uh, and I think a lot of Canadians, there's data that shows many Canadians didn't think it would last this long when it first started in March of last year. Uh, so, so perhaps it's inevitable that we're talking about vaccines on some level. But I sense a lot of frustration about how quickly Canadians uh, are getting vaccinated or how quickly they're not, uh, how slowly perhaps they're getting vaccinated. And it, it seems to be a bit of a gathering weight for the government. What's your sense of how the last week has gone and how the next week might go for the government on this issue? Yeah, I mean, we've, uh, we've, we've sort of been told at every level uh, for the last 11 months, Mark, that this was going to be a long game. And I think, you know, Canadians, I, I think uh, most Canadians probably uh, took that message for what it, you know, what it sounded like at the time. Yeah, nobody sort of knew stuff, but it, it, it does feel like it's a really long game now. And I guess for the government, that's turning out to be a good thing and a bad thing because, uh, you know, it, it's bad to the extent that uh, there have been sort of repeated delays in the in the arrival of vaccines, there's been some other hiccups with the, the government rollout. Now we have provinces sniping at the government, at the federal government over, you know, the vaccine supplies. So, I mean, you know, the fact that it goes on and on and on, uh, it, it can be sort of a, a, a very trying and and punishing long haul uh, for a government when things go wrong. And, and it hasn't been a, a good 10 days or so for the government with the delays in vaccines. On the plus side, the longer it goes, the, the you know, the longer the government has a chance to redeem itself, but it also has, you know, more opportunities to get into trouble. So what I'm watching for, you know, this week is the government needs to put a string of good weeks together. It's been a bad couple of weeks with the vaccine delays. More vaccines will start to roll into the country this week. And then we're told really ramp up in the weeks after that, uh, all of it heading towards a total of 6 million doses from Pfizer and, and Moderna uh, by the end of March. Canada might also, uh, is expected to dip into the COVAX facility for uh, 1.9 million doses between now and June. Some of those will start to, to, to pour in in March. So, you know, I, I get I get the sense that 
you know, Canadians want to see uh, the plan that the government keeps saying is a well laid out plan. We bought more vaccines than anybody at the outset of it, but where are they? So the government needs to put together uh, some good weeks here, Mark, in the, in the next month uh, to convince Canadians, okay, uh, here we are, we're sort of back on track now. Yeah, and I suppose in a sense all's well that ends well if if we catch up and we're no longer 40th in the world or whatever number it is in terms of uh, inoculations per, per capita. Uh, if in March or April or May uh, we've, we've caught up to other countries, then these short-term issues might be largely forgotten by then. But what do you think is the potential lasting effect of all of this? The, there are people raising questions about transparency, about the government's handling of this, of uh, even the decision to access vaccines in a program that was designed to help developing countries get vaccines uh is is that doing any lasting damage to the government's reputation for managing this file well i, I guess that's like I, this is one of those stories where i think by the time the pandemic ends we're going to learn a lot more about it than we know now uh, you know we're sort of it's a bit like you know peeling an onion we get sort of different layers and every now and then a, something pops up that we could have done better you know with the focus is on Canada's ability to, uh, you know, produce a domestic vaccine. That's been under the spotlight for a couple of weeks and what happened there. And the government's got, you know, uh, one, look, we weren't, it's, you know, successive decades of whittling away at a, at a pharmaceutical manufacturing industry in this country that, uh, you know, uh, various governments are responsible for. So I don't think we're going to really know the answers to how well Canada actually did until we're done. And then I think the focus will be able to look back on exactly what happened. We'll find, uh, we'll find out more about, you know, we're seeing now, we're seeing, you know, stories coming out and the release of documents to various parliamentary committees and so on about, uh, what's happening inside, you know, the, the federal operations inside the prime minister's office and the privy council office and uh, some stories about wanting to hide information from Canadians. And so, you know, you know we're, we're getting sort of dribs and drabs here and there. It, it, I, I think my guess is we'll be mostly through it uh, and on the other side before there's a good hard look back at exactly uh, how how the process ran for Canada, how it was organized for Canada, and whether it, it could have been a lot better. And I suspect, you know, when we look back on this, there's going to be a lot of uh, you, know, you know, a lot of stories about things we could have done better, and uh, and, and problems in 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 the Canadian response. And then, but that'll be also put up against. And you hear this a lot. That'll be put up against responses in the rest of the world as well. Right. Canada is not doing this in isolation, and the federal government constantly uses an international measure to talk about how. Oh, yeah, we 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 were we don't have you know domestic production here, but people point to Great Britain. Look, they ramped up their domestic production. Yeah, but they started three years before the pandemic already putting in place a system. So there are lots of comparisons to be made. There'll be lots of uh, questions and lots of answers when it's done. But I think the appetite of the Canadian public right now is, you know, get it fixed, get me a vaccine, get me inoculated, get me and my life back to normal. Yeah. And what about, and I know this is far down the list of uh, considerations for many people, but what impact do you think this has on the likelihood of a spring election? Something that maybe a few weeks ago people were thinking was likely, uh, or at least some people were. Uh, now, I wonder if the if some of these delays make it less likely that the government, the current government, is going to want to face the voters at a time when some of the, there's still lots of uncertainty about this. 
Yeah, it's it's a bit of a moving target, I think, Mark. It's a, you know, the, at the end of the day, in a minority in a minority parliament, uh, the government can fall if the opposition's had enough, but the government can decide, uh, you know, uh, that it has a the timing is right, and that the government wants to. Uh, the prime minister might decide to, to you know, uh, try and orchestrate the snap election himself. So, uh, it's time to talk about Canadian recovery, and you know, the opposition parties are over here, and they don't have the right plan, and I do. So, I need a mandate from the people to move to the next step. But, I mean, I sort of look at, you know, every time you look at the possibility of a snap election in a minority parliament, I think you have a sort of pros and cons list. Sure. And you sort of you sort of map it out and, and look at the climate, look at the you know, look at what's floating around and what you see in sort of, you know, big blazing colors is a is a vaccine rollout that's not going according to plan, is a a, a pandemic that's that uh, you know the government's handling of which has given it a lot of scrutiny and not all of its flying colors as we've seen in in recent polling numbers and those polling numbers are not only going down for the government it's handling of the pandemic but they're reflecting badly on the way the prime minister's handling it as well so i'm looking at you know we're talking a spring election sometime in the next three months or so uh, one one opportunity would be the budget uh, as the government sort of talks about rolling more money into pandemic response and how to rebuild after it's done. Is that likely to uh, cause the fall of the government? Well, then you'd be looking at the opposition party saying this is a great time to go to an election. Um, you know, and will we have those circumstances? I suppose, you know, possibly in the next couple of months before we get a budget, if the vaccine rollout goes so poorly that the, the you know, the for the sake of discussion, the Liberals are polling below the Conservatives, at budget time, would the Conservatives uh, hope that they could, uh, that other opposition parties, because, you know, the government just needs one opposition party to survive. Mm. So uh, yeah. oh, then you'd be looking at Jagmeet Singh again and saying, uh, after months of saying Jag- Jagmeet Singh saying, I'm not going to give Justin Trudeau the, the election he wants, would he actually think about pulling the plug after a budget? Yeah. All right. As we wrap up, Peter, um there, of course, have been allegations against the former chief of the defense staff, General Jonathan Vance. Uh, we There's there's some more uh, process around that that's going to develop this week. Uh, but the defense minister, Harjit Sajjan, in an interview with Global News on the weekend, refused to say whether he told the prime minister or the cabinet about allegations, because apparently those allegations were raised while General Vance was still in the role, he's not anymore. Um, is uh, what is the potential impact of this? Obviously, there is the the, the storyline around Vance himself and the and the allegations. But from a political context, uh, is there anything at stake here, or is it less the case because he's no longer in that job? I suppose it's less for him, but I mean, there's there's there are lots of important uh, possible consequences for uh, for the government if it if if it does become. Uh, if it becomes the case that that the federal, uh, the cabinet knew, and so did the prime minister knew that Jonathan Vance can continue to serve uh, in the highest ranks of of the uh, of the Canadian forces, including as the chief of defence staff, uh, with these allegations known uh, in the political circles uh, up to the highest office, uh, it, it's hard to see how there wouldn't be consequences for that, especially for a prime minister and a government that uh, continuously preaches, uh, you know, we're, we're on the hunt for harassment and, and uh, you know, uh, mis- 
mistreatment and, and equity issues in 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 all of the uh, operations of uh, different branches of of uh, of government and the and its attendant agencies. We're looking for that all the time. And if this was known to them, uh, yeah, I think that that presents some serious problems uh, for the prime minister and for his government if. If that is the case, if it, and then Harjit Sajjan saying, "Look, I'm not going to uh, tell you. Basically, I'm not going to betray cabinet confidence as to who I told what to," and that's the position he's going to take, obviously. Um, and uh, the, the prime minister didn't answer the question directly when he was asked what he knew or whether you know. I mean, they say his office says the prime minister didn't know, and so the question last week to him at, at Rideau Cottage when he addressed Canadians again was, "Is it a failing if you weren't told?" And uh, he didn't answer that question directly. So this mm. is one to keep watching and uh, see where it goes. But if it ties back to the fact the government knew and the prime minister uh, knew or, or didn't know and should have known, uh, there'll be lots more questions. All right. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thanks, Mark. Good to talk to you. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. Despite the government's uh, repeated claims that they're transparent, the truth is, is that they, there's a lot of room for improvement on that. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Jamie Watt argues the lagging vaccine rollout could cost the Liberals in a big way. Watt writes, When all this started, no government could be truly prepared for what was to come. But the one thing we did know was that at some point, the answer would be a vaccine. It's easy to understand why Canadians are losing their minds at what has become a bungled vaccine rollout. When the Prime Minister says everyone who wants a vaccine will receive one by September, he had better hope that things have turned around before then. In an editorial, the Globe and Mail argues, facial recognition technology needs to be reined in. The Globe writes, The fact that for the first time in human history, technology allows the creation of databases of trillions of images, emails, phone calls, and location tracking data merely shows what is technically possible. It doesn't say what is legal or ethical. We have long enjoyed the right to privacy in our homes and security of our personal effects. Police cannot ask to look inside the purse of every person on the street or barge into random houses searching for signs of a crime. A warrant based on evidence is necessary. New tech must be likewise limited. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Green Party will be holding a virtual news conference this morning to promote the idea of a guaranteed basic income. As CPAC's Martin Stringer reports, this comes from the first federal party to adopt it as policy. It also comes in the face of several recent setbacks in the campaign for it. Mark, at 10.45 a.m. Eastern Time, Green Party MPs and several guaranteed basic income experts and proponents will hold a virtual press conference and roundtable to defend and promote a basic guaranteed income for Canadians. The Green Party was the first federal political party to adopt what it called a guaranteed livable income in its election platform and as national policy. And with the COVID pandemic, the idea of a guaranteed basic income has taken on much more momentum in many quarters. But the Trudeau government has been unenthusiastic and unsupportive of such a national program. The press conference will also react to the latest development, the B.C. government's release of a report arguing that other social spending could do more to ensure Canadians' basic well-being, equity and social welfare. So, Mark, at this morning's press conference, the participants will heartily disagree with that. Thanks, Martin. 
Also today, the Prime Minister will meet virtually with Island View High School's Student Council in Eastern Passage, Nova Scotia, followed by a virtual visit with two small businesses in Mississauga and Toronto. And Rural Economic Development Minister Mariam Monsef will make a virtual announcement about a federal investment to improve high-speed internet access in southwestern Ontario. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, February the 8th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.